I don't know about you, but I love snow in Vancouver. Not only the beauty it brings to the city, but also the sheer disruption it brings. No, the sheer chaos it brings to our city, as we all witnessed just a few weeks ago. I'm sure you remember it. Buses are delayed, events canceled, schools shut down, SkyTrain even closed, people late to work, a couple people out building snowmen. A snow day, which is something that's quite common in the winter months for people living on the 49th Northern Parallel, as we do, it cuts through the clock-like efficiency that we expect Vancouver to run on like a knife. It reminds us that although we like to pretend our lives are operate in a technology-buffered bubble, immune to unpredictability, there is, in fact, times and seasons in which we live. And we cannot escape or change them as much as we might like to. I was walking to the coffee shop on our last snow day uh, just a couple weeks ago and chatting to a friend on the phone. She was telling me how she loves snow days once she settles into it, but it takes some time to accept it. At first, she said, I'm stressed. The kids aren't, aren't going to school. My work is disrupted. I'm not prepared. There's nothing I can do about it. But, she said, once I realize there's nothing I can do about it, I'm free to enjoy a surprise of a winter snowy day with my kids. Actually, it's a gift. Well, the book of Ecclesiastes highlights for us life as it really is. Messy, hard to grasp, and tra tragic, yet beautiful and stunning too. And in today's passage, the preacher who wrote Ecclesiastes brings us to the topic of the times and the seasons in which we live. The preacher challenges us to meditate upon the ebbs and the flows of time, seasons of delight and despair, of comfort and pain, and to ask, what's the point of it all? At the end of the day, does any of the seasons we live in and through really mean anything? Or does it all amount to running on a treadmill for 80 to 100 years, then it's all over? He forces the question, what can we gain from the time we're given? What can we gain? So the main idea we're going to look at today is every season of life means either everything or nothing. Every season of life means everything or nothing. And we'll, we'll explore this by discussing seasons, eternity, and Jesus. Seasons, eternity, and Jesus. So let's enter this passage together. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 15. All the scriptures should be up on the screen. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, to tear and to sow, to keep silent and to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time of peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. 
I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added or nothing can be taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. For everything, there is a season, says the preacher, a time for everything. We're given this poetic rendering of the pendulum swings of human life, back and forth, from birth to death, weeping to laughing, seeking to losing, tearing to sowing, love to hate, war to peace. It's all there, all of life. And just like life, there's no real clear pattern in this list. We're getting polar opposites again and again, and we're meant to understand that there is a time for each, a place for each, and a time for everything in between the two as well. The genre of Ecclesiastes is called wisdom literature, and there is great wisdom in the preacher's poetry. There is good reason that this passage is often read at funerals, whether Christian or secular, because the preacher helpfully forces us to zoom out on time, to realize how small we are, and to survey the scope of life. He's reminding us that life is delightful and dreadful. It has a rhythm to it that cannot be controlled. The preacher points out to me and to you the seasons of life that we both love and the ones that we do everything we can to avoid. He forces us to reckon with it all and accept that there is a place for each and every one of them under the sun. Do you live only for the times of laughter and levity? Do you live in a golden age of those times in the past if your present isn't so rosy? Are you only and always looking to heal others? Well, the preacher says that there are times for mourning and weeping and letting go, too. Or do you spend your life in darkness, only able to see the torn parts of life, the death, the tragedy? The preacher says, look, there are times for dancing and for mending, too. Either way, you must reckon with the complexity of life, made up of the events in the world around us and the web of relationships and experiences that all make up our, our individual stories. And you must reckon with the fact that most of what goes on is entirely out of your control. Most of us have lived lives in peace, but who knows when war may come? You may remember a conversation with a loved one where you remained silent. Now you wish you could go back and speak. The people you laugh and dance with, you will likely one day mourn over. If we read Ecclesiastes 3, through, just through verse 8, as is often done at secular funerals, where, we, where the poetry ends, it may offer a well-balanced perspective on the human experience in the world. It does. But stopping here, there is a haunting question that lingers over the poetry. What was the point of it all? Did that life mean anything? 
Did it even matter? Stopping here, I'm personally led to conclude that death indeed does have the last word and the victory. And this is exactly the question the preacher wants to get at. He wants to push on us. He drops the hammer in verse 9. Look at verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? What gain has the worker from his toil? After all of that, what has been gained? As one commentator, David Gibson, writes, There is a time for everything. Life is a lyrical arrangement of good and bad relational complexity and nuanced subtleties. And the end of it all, you go in a box in the cold, hard ground. What have you gained after living all the seasons of life? Nothing. You're dead. (laughs) You can laugh. It's, It's stark. But it's true. So, is that all there is? Is that the end of the story? Are we really on an endless round in the circle of life, like Simba and Mufasa sing about? Or are we to take the Hindu or Buddhist view of time as a circular and repeating, a never-ending cycle our souls are entrapped in, that we can only attempt to escape through enlightened meditation and our own karma? Or, as is most common in our culture, are we to heed the words of Robin Williams in his famous scene from the Dead Poets Society, as he directs his students to look upon the generations of boys gone past at their, at their boarding school, as he looks into their eyes and says, Carpe diem, seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Seize the day. Gain all you can out of life today. Yet the days come and go, and the preacher's words still haunt us. Seize all you want, but at the end, you're still dead. Each and every season will be gone. And if you live your life in order to gain what you can out of it, to grasp what you can out of it, every season you have will, in the end, prove meaningless. This is true whether you gain a lot or a little, whether you end up rich or whether you end up poor, whether you end up loved and celebrated by many or mostly forgotten. This isn't the preacher's last word, though. The preacher and this preacher have something to say about eternity, too. So listen, because eternity changes the whole story. And that's good news. When I was 16, I had four favorite movies. Four favorite movies. Gladiator, Braveheart, Lord of the Rings, and Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) One of these is unlike the other three. (laughs) I recognize that. These four say a lot about me at that point in life, and... Still about me today, even. I love stories, adventures, and people coming coming together to fight against something bigger than themselves, to defy all odds, to sacrifice for the sake of others, caught up in something dramatic and grand and majestic, dangerous and beautiful and risky. Dumb and dumber, right? Isn't that what it's all about? A little bit, but not so much. The characters Frodo and the Fellowship, William Wallace, Maximus the Gladiator, they captured my imagination for the sort of stories I wanted my life to resonate with. There's one quote from Gladiator that I had up in my room. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. This captivated me. I loved that quote. I still do. That my actions, the way I live, the things I say and do here and now today cause ripple effects in the eternal realms of the cosmos? That what I do in my life means everything because my life and your life in this world is actually caught up 
in an eternal story that doesn't actually end in a coffin? Well, this would give every single breath that I take and that you take a little bit more substance, wouldn't it? Ecclesiastes 3, 10 to 11. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Friends, God has put eternity into the heart of every woman and every man. Eternity. What does this mean? This means that at some level, people are conscious that there is more going on around us than the here and now, the present season, the surface layer. At some point, every person faces moments in life that we ask those questions that we prefer not to usually ask, when we admit that the longings inside of us seem to surpass what the times and the seasons have to offer. The preacher recognizes the frustration that this brings. We can't discern what God is up to in the end. We long to know his ways, yet as mortal creatures, we can't wrap our minds around it. But the story of eternity that we're told about in the Bible, it isn't a never-ending cycle we're trapped in. If this were the case, our knowledge of eternity would be more of a curse. But the story of eternity, according to the Bible, is guided by a God who has an end in mind. It's a coherent story with a shape. It's going somewhere. Look with me at verse 14. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so that people fear before him. God is steering all the times for one reason, so that people fear him, so that people stand in awe of him and worship him in adoration. We see God's character revealed here. He is a God who longs for all people to turn towards him and worship in, in repentance. Further, the preacher names the end of the story in verse 17. And the end of the story is essential for understanding why our times will mean anything or everything or nothing. Verse 17 says, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. The end, at the end, there is judgment. Every season, every time of every person will be judged. All the wicked and all the righteous will be judged. This is how the story goes that, that the Bible gives us to live in. And friends, this is what makes life matter. God's judgment doesn't always sound like it, but it's actually very, very good news. If God was not a judge, there will never be real justice in the world. If God does not judge, wickedness and righteousness are the same thing. If God does not judge our lives, my life, and your life, then we should all be in despair. Because if that's the case, nothing really matters. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die. Seriously, if that's the case but that's not the story we're told. And that's not the real story of the world. God will judge the righteous and the wicked. He will put our deeds through a refining fire and they will either echo into eternity or become dust. God's intention for people to worship him 
And his plan to judge the world means that we're not in a never-ending cycle of meaninglessness. It means that we're not always in, in empty toil. Life is not meaningless, and each season matters. Each moment matters. Each breath matters. And if this is the case, well, how are we meant to live? Well, we're told here as well in verses 12 to 13. I perceived that there is nothing better to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as you live. Also to eat and drink and take pleasure in toil because it is all a gift from God. Now this sounds a little bit like Robin Williams' advice to his young students in the Dead Poets Society, doesn't it? Carpe diem. But he's actually saying something quite different. Embrace today. Live today, yes, but not out of a sense of scarcity. It's not about gaining all that you can because your days are slipping through your fingers. No, it's about embracing today because it is a good gift from God. And it is a, and it is a season that is set not within the hundred or less years of a life, a hundred or less years trips around the globe. It's a season that's set within the eternal story of God's kingdom. The season you have right now that you're in is set within the eternal story of God's kingdom. And that's why you can seize the day, because it matters. So be joyful. Discern what is good and do it. Live for the sake of others, not yourself. Receive your food and drink as good gifts from the Creator that reveal God's provision, His creativity, His delight. Take pleasure in your work. Because there is a God who created it all and who created work as a means of working with him, of experiencing the joy of seeing a project through its end and being proud of labor and its outcome. Live in this season of life right now, whether reaping or sowing or dancing or mourning, knowing it is a gift from the creator God. If you're in a season that doesn't feel very gift-like, which I know some of you are, that maybe smells a bit more like death than life. Well, don't forget that this God of creation is also a God of resurrection and new creation too. What can the worker gain from his toil? What can you gain from all of your striving? What can I gain from all of mine? Our work, our relationships, our seasons of life. What can you do to make it all mean something so that it won't slip away and vanish into the abyss of untold history? Nothing. You can do nothing except to stop striving for gain and instead receive as gift the seasons you have been given and the time you have been given to live right now. The climax of the story was unknown to the preacher of Ecclesiastes. But the climax of this story, which is the greatest story ever told, is when God departed from that realm of eternity that he put into our hearts and entered into the seasons of life, just as you and I have lived them. Birth, infancy, toddlerhood, learning to walk, learning to speak, growing up, studying, learning God's word, learning a trade, being a child, being a friend, weeping, mourning, laughing, dancing, keeping silent, and speaking. And finally, at just the right moment in time, making the great proclamation. The time, the appointed time, 
The season which gives every meaning to every other season under the sun is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, said Jesus. It was God's act of joining his eternal power to the finite dust of creation in Jesus Christ. It was God's act in coming as judge in Jesus Christ and showing once for all time what sort of judge he is, one of grace and one of truth. It was in God's act of taking on all the seasons and all the times from birth to death that he made every season under the sun worth living and full of meaning. Because by taking on every season from birth to death, God in Christ did the most amazing thing and showed us that after all, death isn't the last season. It's not the end of the story. God's story didn't end in a grave and ours won't either if we join ourselves to him. When Jesus said the time is fulfilled, every season under the sun was being fulfilled because now every season we have in life, in your life and in mine, is not darkened by the shadow of death but in the hope of the light of the eternal kingdom of God. Amen. And every season, whether of delight or of despair, can be received as gift because there's always a thread bringing us to Jesus Christ. He's lived them all in the flesh, just like me and you. So are you afraid of your life vanishing like mist into untold, unremembered history? It could but it doesn't have to. St. Paul shows us what it looks like to find those threads in Jesus in each and every season. The best of times and the worst of times. The springs of hope and the winters of despair. He confesses, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Yet I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, in any and every season, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do it all because I have Christ who strengthens me. I have Christ who gives me purpose. I have Christ who has defeated death and sets every moment of my life in the light of his eternal kingdom. I have Christ and because of him, my life means everything. 